Praise the Lord. It's been a wonderful time together. I've got a great word for you this morning. I have the privilege of preaching this morning. I want to say thank you to Pastor Alex. Welcome home, Pastor Alex, from your many travels. Good to have you back up here leading us in our time of worship. You may be seated for a few minutes. We'll stand in a little while as we honor the word. But first, I want to tell you a brief story that didn't turn out as well as I wanted it to. Of course, those are the stories we tell, right? J.R.R. Tolkien wrote, All great stories are about the fall. And he's referring to the stories we tell are about the things that didn't go like we wanted and we survived. <laughs> right? I uh, enjoy- lived on the island of Maui for 15 years with my family. And I enjoyed hiking there. And I attempted to hike every listed hike on the, uh, you know, the Maui books or whatever. Just for the experience, saying I did them. And I was looking at an old map one time. I don't know where I was, but I was looking at an older map of the island of Maui. And it, list- it showed this trail, like a hiking trail that I'd never seen in one of those hiking books. Because it was kind of old and forgotten and nobody ever used it, so they stopped listing it. But it was evidently still there. So I decided, hey, there's a hike I haven't done before. And I enjoyed doing what, what you would call fast packing, which is basically throw just the essentials in your backpack and hike really fast and see how far you can go. So I had a number of time done 21, 24 mile hikes on Maui just to see if I could finish it in a day type thing. And so this hike was, according to what I looked up about, it was supposed to be about 25 miles. That's no problem. I I can push it a little bit more and hit 25. So I decided I was going to take along with me some other experienced hikers that had gone with me. So I took one other young man with me. He was my age. And then I decided to take some some older boys from my children's ministry that had kind of proven themselves on some of the other trails we'd gone on that were strenuous. I thought, we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. So I gave them a list of supplies to bring in their backpack, where to be, what time, and we were going to head out. Um, Early, as soon as the sun gave us enough light to see, we were going to start. As we started on this trail, I quickly realized, whoa, this is not going to be as fast as I thought because we're hiking on crumbly uh, lava. If you've ever walked across lava like that, it rolls under your feet. The bigger chunks, you'll, you, you can easily get hurt on your ankle. If you fall on lava, it's very sharp. It can scratch you up. So the going was quite much, quite slower than what I wanted it to be. And it was extremely hot. Lava's black and it's absorbing the heat from the sun and you know by mid-morning we're already quite sweaty and the heat coming up is like cooking you from the bottom up now and it's not even noon yet and it's it's getting longer come lunchtime we had hiked i don't know from six to twelve we'd hiked six hours so far didn't have any i had no map so i had no idea how far along on the trail we were i just knew we had gone a long way and we wanted to get some shade there was no shade at all where we were and we're baking in this hot sun it's probably a hundred degrees and it's hitting the lava and we're just we're tanking our water and so we decide we've got to find uh, some kind of overhang out on this lava field. It's not flat, and it's, you know, you could step into crevices. You really got to be careful. The lava could give way underneath you, and there could be a lava tube underneath, so it's kind of dangerous. So you want to stay on the trail? So we see this overhang where we're going to have some lunch, and it's, you can tell, and so we, 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 there's five of us, and we all gather together underneath this little, it turns out it's like this little cave, and we're like, oh yeah, we can crawl back in here. Well, in the back of the cave was an unexpected animal (laughs) that hadn't been breathing for quite some time. It was a goat. (laughs) 
But we were so desperate for some shade and get the sun off of us and cool down. We got in the cave with the goat and ate our lunch and didn't care because we wanted some relief. And while we're sitting there eating that lunch, I just kind of watched them eat theirs and I was looking at their water bottles. Their water bottles were starting to look like this one. Okay. And we're in the middle of this very um, hot and no shade area and there's no rivers and there's no streams and I'm like uh oh this is this is this could get bad I wonder how far along we are on the trail so we decide to hike a little farther maybe another hour by that time everyone's water was gone very dangerous situation now the middle of the afternoon or so and I got to make a critical decision on how to take care of these and take care of myself our step had started getting slower and we you know what I'm saying this is getting critical weird things started happening in our minds not just fi- <laughs> I get distracted when my wife walks in. <laughs> I love Isa. She ministers to our preschoolers, and her and her team take care of our little ones. Aren't you so thankful that on Sunday morning, all of you that serve, thank you. There's people watching in the nursery right now. Thank you so much for blessing our little ones. We don't do child care here. We do ministry to children and families. And it's, it's important to my wife and I. That's what, it's our priority here is to minister to kids. And uh, thanks for coming to join us. I lost track of where I was. Something about this water bottle right here. Wait, what? Critical. So I had these boys... You want you guys just take a break right there? I could tell the no water was affecting them. And I saw me and my older friend walked a distance away from him. We had to make a choice about what to do. And so we're either going to keep going and maybe we're close to the end because somebody's picking us up. Or we can go back. Wow, that's a long way to go back. Slow going, six or seven hours. Wow, we're not going to make it that way. Um, I can't carry these boys out of here and me with no water. Uh, let's see. I know the highway is somewhere up on the side of the mountain. Let's see if we can spot a car, see how far away we are. Yikes. We're in a bad circumstance here. So we decide we're going to hike up the mountain to the car, to, to where the road is, and hopefully flag somebody down. That was our choice. And as we're going along, it was very slow going. The brush was over our head. We're trying to get through it and work our way up this mountain. And I can tell I'm, ha- I'm now having to coach, coach them, and, um, encourage them. Come on, guys, a little bit farther. Come on, guys, a little bit more. It's getting very dangerous now. So we sit down to have a break, and we're sitting there and we all understand we've got to somehow will ourselves. I got these boys and I felt terrible I made such an uncalculated decision to bring them along on this and I was embarrassed and one of the boys is digging through his backpack and all of a sudden he pulls out a bottle of water that somehow he missed and the most horrific thing happened you could ever imagine My first thought was I could hurt him and take his water. (laughs) Me, super spiritual, lover of Jesus, spending time in prayer and fasting, giving my, laying my everything at the altar. And my first thought was, I'm going to take his water. (laughs) Little 12 year old boy. What a horrible thought. That's terrible. That was the condition that I was in. Not having water affected me to the point that I was now ready to inflict injury on a 12-year-old boy who had no life in him and take his water. So we somehow talked him into sharing his water because he didn't want to share it to help us all get a little farther. And so... 
The plan was we're each going to take a drink and pass it to the next person. You cannot imagine how much self-control that took. When you see it and you see somebody else get a bigger drink than you wanted them to get. The thoughts going through your mind are, you took too much! Hey, 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 that was two drinks! Five, four, three, two, one, pass it, pass! It comes to you and you're standing there looking at how much it is. I mean, horrible thoughts are going through your mind. You take a drink, and you're in that horrible circumstance, and your body is, something's wrong with your body. And you, you know something's bad, it's not, happen, it's not going good. And to pass it on to the next person, oh my goodness, that was terrible. Well, we got out of that, you know, and we got picked up, we got up the mountain. It was very dangerous, and as you can tell, I am not in jail today. <laughs> Not in prison for harming minors. Praise the Lord. God helped me get through. But today we're going to look at an interesting story that goes right along with that. It's a story from the book of Genesis. So if you've got your Bible, turn to the book of Genesis. I'm going to read from the 1984 NIV version. Don't know what you might have. Read from yours. And we're going to look at a story about Abraham. Several months ago, Pastor Daniel uh, preached a series, a phenomenal series about the life of Abraham. You want to go back and watch that, go on YouTube, type in King's Chapel, Alaska. All Pastor Daniel's sermons will come up. It's great. You can rewatch any of them. You want to look for those ones on Abraham. I'm not going to re-preach one of his, but I want to look at a story about Abraham and the need for water. It's from Genesis 21. And you're here on the right day. God's got a great word for you. Genesis 21. Let's stand together if you can. If you're able. If you haven't had a lot of water to drink today, you might just want to sit there. I know how you feel. Chapter 21, verse 22. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Now swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me and the country where you are living as an alien the same kindness I have shown to you. Abraham said, I swear it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. But Abimelech said, I don't know who has done this. You did not tell me, and I heard about it only today. Verse 27, so Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a treaty. Then Abraham set apart seven ewe lambs from the flock. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs you have set apart by themselves? He replied, Accept these seven lambs from my hand as a witness that I dug this well. So that place was called Beersheba because the two men swore an oath there. After the treaty had been made at Beersheba, Abimelech... And Phicol, the commander of his forces, returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called upon the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. Hey, why don't you pray for me? And let's pray together. God, give us ears to hear, I pray. Holy Spirit, I pray for an anointing to release the word that you've planted in my heart. So many days ago, weeks ago, that I was going to preach on a Sunday morning, and this is the word I was going to preach. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to get to be here today and share with all those online and those here, some for the second time. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would help me to make it clear. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Abraham understood... The need to have water. He didn't have a permanent dwelling place. He was roaming around by the word of the Lord. God was leading him. And he would take his whole family and all of his animals and tents and possessions and go where the Lord led them. And they were in the Negev. N-E-G-E-V. The Negev is a desert. Probably worse than the place where I had taken these boys hiking. 
And the value of a well was incalculable. Probably could not estimate its worth. When you have a well, you are going to have life and sustenance and your animals and your crops and whatever you needed to do. Wash dishes or, you know, clean up something or get you a drink for the day. You and I's understanding of maybe a well in a dry place may not be as, you know, prominent as Abraham's because he lived that way. And he's by this, in this area of this well in the Negev, and the king shows up. The king and the commander of his army show up. The, Abraham was a foreigner in this country. He wasn't a citizen of the country. But his prominence and his influence was so great that the king was intimidated by him. And had an understanding of what could happen if Abraham was on the wrong side in a disagreement. So he is going to track down Abraham and make a treaty with him. And at the time they're doing this, Abraham brings up something that has happened that he can't deal with any longer. And that is someone took his well. Abraham clearly understood that if he doesn't get that well back, he's going to have to move everybody to a new place and find water again. It's clear from the text he dug the well. He doesn't want to have to redig a well. So they make a treaty between the two. And then Abraham does something that Abimelech's a little confused by. Outside of the treaty, which Abraham paid the price, he brought all the animals and stuff for them to make a covenant with each other about, you know, being protected in this land and having, being able to be there and not, you know, having conflict between one another. Abraham brings out these seven lambs and the king is a little confused. What's up with the lambs here, Abraham? We already took care of you being here between us. What's up with the lamb? This is for the well. Your servants seized one of my wells. I'm now giving you this from me as a sign, an agreement between you and I. I dug that well and it's mine. Now you don't have any more rights to it. You're going to get your people and you're going to get away from my well. He's securing his well. Everybody say, secure your well. Not long after that, he plants this tree. And then he stays there for a long time. It's referring to years staying here by this well. Abraham understood the significance of having access to this water. Today I want to share with you what I believe God gave me some time ago to share about this well. The well... And the tree. And the significance of them to you and me. And I want you to leave today hearing clearly how Abraham and this well affects our lives today. First thing I want to bring up is the well, the water. Abraham knew he needed this well because he knew what would happen without the well. Just like I shared in the story, physical, mental, emotional wreckage is happening in my life because I didn't have water to drink half a day in the sun. Imagine you've got your all your whole family and animals in the desert and you're going days looking for water. Abraham didn't want to do that. He knew he needed water. It would be a tragedy for him to have no water. I believe God's speaking us today about our need for Him as the giver of living water. There's a tragedy that happens when you don't have the living water. Just as no physical water would affect everything else I described and create circumstances we're not proud of, So is it our lives when we don't have the living water. It affects your thinking. You don't think right. It affects your perception. You don't see right. It affects you on the inside. When you don't have the living water, your life is a wreck. God's design is that you and I draw from Him, the giver of living water. He describes Himself as the giver of living water. 
The nation of Israel desperately needed to hear God plead again and try to draw them back. And so he raises up this prophet named Jeremiah. Once you take your Bible and turn to the book of Jeremiah, and I want you to look at the Lord's words to Jeremiah in reference to himself being the living water. The purpose for raising up this tremendous prophet is in chapter 2. And everything else stems from it. Chapter 2. I've lost Jeremiah. Where are you? You ever seen those preachers that say, turn to the Bible, turn in your book to this chapter, and then they immediately start reading it? You're like, I couldn't even get there. <laughs> Jeremiah 2, verse 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dung, dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. What is a cistern? Let me help you just real quick. Cisterns was a, a, a holding tank, if you will, for water. And it wasn't a spring. Those are two different things. It wasn't a well of spring. A spring is replenishing itself. It's constantly flowing and coming and it's adding to itself and it's cleaning itself. When you draw it out, more comes in. Cisterns don't operate that way. Cisterns are stagnant. You put the water in, you take it out. And when it's empty, you got a problem because nothing's going to fill it back up. The Lord is look, is raises up Jeremiah and says to him, I've got to have you go talk to my people because they no longer are seeking me for living water. They are leaning on their own plans and their own methods and means for life. And I believe God's speaking to us first of all about the well in Abraham because if you're not living off the living water, the only other choice you have is you're living off of a broken cistern in your life. Things that don't renew their self. Things that you have to go get and fill up and then drink from again and then over and over again. And when it's gone, we got a problem here. It's not the way God designed it. It's not God's great plan. God's great plan is that you draw life from Him. The giver of living water. Jesus Himself, John chapter 4, sees this woman by the well. Are you familiar with the story? I hope so. Sees this woman by the well. He goes and talks to her and says, uh, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for water and I would give you springs, streams, springs, streams, whatever one your Bible says, of living water. He's talking about himself. He's talking about lady. If you would draw from me, you'd never be thirsty again. You keep looking for temporary things in your life. I'm the living water. That's what I want you to hear today. Abraham's understanding of his need for water and it affecting the rest of his life is the same understanding we have to have today in our need to have Jesus and his living water in our life. If you don't have it, your life isn't the same. You're being affected and you don't know it. Your perception, your physical nature, your mental, the way you think, your emotions... They're different without the living water. It's the first thing I want you to hear today from this story of Abraham. Abraham secured his well so that life could be sustained from it. God paid the price for you to have the living water. He paid the price for your well to be secured. It was himself. He provided the living water. He knew you needed it, so he sent his son into time and space to be that living water for you and me to drink from. The second thing I want you to hear today is about, about the well. So we're looking, we're looking at the well, and we're looking at the tree. There's another part of the well that I want to bring up to our, our thinking and our examination today, and that is... Having a place to draw from. Not just that you can draw from, 
but making a place. Abraham secured the spot and then stayed there for a long time. I want to just share with you a few thoughts this morning about securing a spot to draw from. Not just that you can, but making it a priority to be at that spot. I want to share with you a few thoughts about when you don't have that spot and you're not drawing from it, the distortion that happens in your life. I want to share with you about prayer for just a moment. You say the word prayer and it's like people instantly check you out when you're a preacher, when you're giving a message. There's some, some, some things are hard to speak about because you know the moment you say them, people are just like, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> kind of like when one of the, if, if the preacher says there's more than two or three points to his message, if the preacher gets up and says, I'm going to share with you the 14 points of whatever, you're just like, I am so out of here. Wow, I really got to use the restroom. I'm going to go get a restroom and a drink. I'm coming back for point number 13. Same thing when, when the, whoever's ministering with the word says something about prayer. There's some distortions we have about prayer. I want to try to unmask some of the distortions. Because if you haven't been drinking from the living water and you haven't been habitually at a place of drawing, you got the wrong perception of what prayer is all about. I want to list some of these for you and just help you. Maybe I can expose some of them because um, just as though I didn't think right because I didn't have water on that hike. There's some things about prayer that we don't think right. The first thing is if nothing happens the moment we show up, it wasn't worth coming. We expect God to be like the the fast food (laughs) drive-thru. Wrong picture of prayer. Sometimes we get a feeling or this perception that prayer is just me giving a bunch of lists to God and I get tired of doing it. Or I run out of things to pray about. Or I don't know what to say. You're missing the point of prayer and you don't even know it. The point of prayer is not getting up in every morning and telling God everything you need Him to do. If that's your perception of prayer, you've missed the point of it. God put a me- let me give you some truth about prayer. God put a mechanism in place by which He can be personal to you. That method, that mechanism, is prayer. It is the means by which you and Him have relationship. If you're picture of prayer is just rattling off lists and wait to see if anything happens and if nothing happens you're on with your day you've missed the living God wrong picture you haven't had some of the living water in a while you're not drinking on a regular basis and you're not thinking right you're being affected and you don't know it That somehow prayer is about showing up and in some time in our day, this is a a distortion, sometime in our day I have to do a certain gesture or a certain, I got to stand in a certain spot and that means I'm praying. Wrong picture. Prayer, prayer, Prayer is not some religious, you know, repetition of actions that we do to start our day off with and now we can go about our day. That's not what God's about. He's not like that. That's not what prayer's about. In, in Maui, they have early morning prayer that we do, like we do, our church in Maui. And Dr. Morocco leads that prayer time, sometimes up country, sometimes there at the central church in Kahului. And I marvel at people that wait for doctor to come in. And then when doctor walks in the room, their whole prayer thing goes up a notch. <laughs> It's like the room got louder. Oh, people got their hands up now. You've missed the point of being there. In the set aside place and time, it's not about fulfilling, you know, actions and hoping God will respond to them. It's not about a specific place on the carpet. Maybe you come up for prayer, and if somebody's standing in your spot of prayer, you're like, well, I'm not going to get my miracle today. It's not about, you know, the carpet threads. 
I see people um, try to mimic great men and women of God in their prayer gestures. The power of prayer is not in the gesture. It's in the relationship. Prayer is about a relationship. Do you have a place of drawing from the well? What does that look like? Do you have a time and a place that you draw from the well? Good question. The question really is, do you revolve life around prayer or do you revolve prayer around life? Which one is it? It's only one of the other two. The tragedy of distortion of prayer. Oh, I got to tell you this. I'm... You probably can identify with this. I used to have a, a, a horrible time trying to get up early to pray. Trying to be holy, trying to be like Jesus. Jesus got up early, went to a remote place to pray but while it was still dark outside. We'll come back to that in a minute. Until one day, God got a hold of me and I had this dream. And ever since I had that dream, I don't, my whole prayer life... It can't go back to what it was. I can't let it. I had this dream that I was in this boat. And in this little sailboat, sail, there's an easel, like a chalk. You know, you're, you're making lines with chalk. Drawing or whatever. And there's a whole bunch of little tick marks on there. You know, one, two, three, four, five. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm sitting in the back. And this boat's sitting still in stagnant water. And I turn around in this horrible, gruesome, ugly, whatever demonic word you want to try to dream up creature comes out of the water and it's climbing into the boat so i stand up and i rebuke it in jesus name point my finger at it and i rebuke it in the name of jesus and this wind comes out of nowhere feels the sail and the sail leaves this creature and then it gets slower and slower and slower and when the boat stops i get up and i put another mark on the board and the board is filled with marks and i sit back in the boat and i'm sitting there and there's the creature again i don't know how it got to where i was but here comes this horrible ugly thing again scary night nightmarish creature and it's climbing back up into the boat and guess what I do get up do it again make another tick on the chalkboard and I wake up and the Holy Ghost says if you don't get up and pray that thing's getting in your boat now that'll change your perception of prayer because if that thing gets in my boat that's going to get my kids it's going to get to my house and it's going to get to my wife and That thing is not going to get in my boat. I'm getting up to pray. I have a place and a time. You need a place and a time. Maybe God needs to give you a dream. If you're not leaning on the, if you're not leaning on the, the living water, you've got a broken cistern. Your cistern is either entertainment or it's something you're doing to fulfill the flesh or it's, or maybe you've got this cistern that your time of, of, uh, of hearing from God is just Sunday morning. And then the rest of the time, you're just, you know, it's life. And then you come back on Sunday morning. And then you go jump into the world for the rest of the week. And then on Sunday morning, that's a cistern. The truth about prayer is it is a tremendous privilege. You are the child of the living God. To as many believed, he gave them the right to become sons and daughters of God. Right? I have a, I have five kids and I'll just choose one of them. I'm going to choose the princess. She's the youngest. All she's got to do is ask. I, I have a terrible time saying no to the princess. I love it when this one day, this one day, I ask her if she, I've got to go mow the lawn and I have this riding lawnmower and she likes to ride on my lap while I mow for a couple of hours. And that's special to her. So I knew it was and I say to her, you want to come, I'm going to go mow. Do you want to ride with me? <gasps> I will go put on something cute to wear. So she disappears, and I'm just like, on the inside of me, I'm laughing. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) 
few minutes later, she comes back up the stairs and she stands. Is this cute? Is this cute? She's three. I, I wore this to ride with you. She's the princess. Our relationship with our children gives us a picture of God's relationship with you and I. In the same way that I would lay down and die for my kids, God did lay down and die for you and me. He loves you so much. You know what it's like when your little one first says something, right? What about when they first say, I love you, mommy? Something happens on the inside of you that doesn't come from anywhere else in the world. I love you, Daddy. Right? The picture we have of God is our Father. And if He gives us that thrill of of feeling so special when the three-year-old says, I love you, Daddy, imagine how He feels when you say, I love you, Lord. Prayer is not just giving endless lists to God to start your day off. There's a relationship with there. And if you don't have a set time and place, man, in my house, I got to get up early because once the kids are up, the whole day's gone. You know what I'm talking about? Those of you that got kids, I got to get up early before they get up. Or I'm not going to get to draw. I'm going to not get to spend time with the Father. They're going to interrupt it. Imagine how God feels when you look up to him. I've come to spend time with you this morning. What if you just stood there and said, Lord, I'm just going to stand here and wait. You can do what you want to do and say what you want to say. I didn't come to ask for anything. Can you imagine going to prayer and not asking for anything? Maybe a different... Maybe a different point of view. I'm trying to give you a different way to look at prayer. There's a relationship. Another truth about prayer is you have the attention. You have the attention of the creator of all of the universe. Who with one word made things too great for us to even understand. Too marvelous for, for us to even understand. You have his attention. He'll come visit with you if you'll invite him. He he doesn't visit anything else in creation. He made it all, but he longs to come visit you. We marvel at mountains and sunsets and rivers and oceans and wow, look at that postcard. And wow, look at those. Look at that. And the things of this world that God made. Look at these pictures from the telescope. Wow, isn't that awesome? God marvels at you. You're the apple of his eye. And all the things that he made that he longs to visit with, it's you. He longs to converse with you. Just a different point, just a different, trying to give you a different perception of the well and prayer this morning and spending time with him. The privilege of knowing him, diving into the depths of knowing him. There's so much more to the living God. If there's things they're just now discovering in the universe, on earth, new species discovered, new this discovered. Wow, how much more is there of the living God to discover who made those things? Yet we settle for just knowing his name. And showing up on Sunday and hoping Pastor Alex sings that one song so that the room gets, I get goosebumps. Oh, yeah. I hope he sings that one song because then the presence of God really comes. You're missing knowing him. He wants to reveal himself to him. The only way he can reveal himself to us is that you're drawing from the living water and you've got a time and place that you've set aside to meet with him. That's how it happens. There's enemies of prayer to keep you from being in that place. You've got to understand this. Right? right? So pretend you haven't had water in a long time and you're not thinking right. 
And I'm going to tell you right now what some of those enemies are. The first one is, the first enemy is the way the world views prayer. Maybe you've been affected by it. They'll tell you it, your, your time would be better spent doing anything else but praying. That it's somewhere in the middle, if it all works out, then I'll go to prayer. I'll get up early. You don't, please, please, please don't can be confused. I'm not telling you you have to show up right here every morning for prayer. I'm talking about you have a well that you've set up and secured like Abraham did. These doors open at 5 o'clock every morning, Monday through Friday, for people that need to use this as their well because maybe the house is just so busy you can't get anywhere else. Come here. You can be here. Now I forgot what I was doing. Enemy number two, okay. Enemy number two is our flesh. Do you understand that your body will never want to do the things of God? It will always refuse to do the things of God. Romans 8 makes it clear that you're either going to focus on the spirit or you're going to focus on your body, your flesh, and the way it wants to be. You're either one of those two. If you're not focusing on the way, on your spirit and the the living by the spirit, then you're only focusing on self. That's all that's left of the world. There's only those two states of being. I'm living by the spirit. I'm living by the flesh. The flesh (laughs) will never want to get up early and go pray. And set aside a time. It will never want to sit and wait on the Lord. Never. Two years ago, I was challenged by the Holy Ghost. I want you to double your prayer time. This has been two years ago. So when I got back from the prophetic conference two Septembers ago, I started coming an hour before my hour of prayer. So every day that I was... Not physically capable of getting here. I showed up for two hours right here or at the barn. It's been two years now. I promise you, when that alarm clock goes off for me to get up that extra early time, it's a nightmare. It's the worst sound in the world. I hate it. I hate it. You're going to hate it too. Your body doesn't want to do. The second enemy of prayer is your own human nature. Yes. You got to overcome it. Right. Who's the boss here? Right. Your body the boss or are you the boss? They're not the same thing. Okay, uh, the third one is the devil. He's going to make sure that you get interrupted, that something happens on your way, or somebody's going to you know, call you, text you in your time of prayer, or he's going to make sure that you're so busy that, oh, I just can't do it. The devil's going, whatever, to, whatever it took for you to not pray, that's what's going to keep coming back to you. Think about that a moment. I want you to hear three points today about Abraham and the well. And the third one, the first two are about the well. The need for the living water and the need for a place to draw from. And the third one is about the tree. If you read through the word, you don't see this tree mentioned very often. Tamarisk tree. I tried to do some research. I'm not a real smart guy. I don't have the giant library that Pastor Daniel has. Uh, but I did some re- some research about this tree him theory, this tree thing here, because it's very significant to the story, yes. and it's very significant to you and me. Abraham, in securing the well, paying the price to secure the well, then plants this tree. The reference here is a very slow growing tree in the desert. Plants this tree. In fact, it, wouldn't, it, it would not reach its full height in Abraham's lifetime. Speaks to us today of having a vision beyond just self. Abraham knew he had a promise from God that his descendants would what? Outnumber the stars in the sky. So he plants a tree that his descendants could benefit from. At the place of drawing the water, he sets up something for his children and his children's children and children he would never meet before. After he's dead and gone, they still have this tree that's growing. 
It's a picture today of you and me affecting generations to come after us by our prayer, by our praying, by our setting aside a time to pray, and prioritizing this in our life because it will affect them. I will never forget because it has shaped my whole life. Whether I was living unholy or not living unholy or whatever it is, a young man and whatever I'm doing today doesn't really matter my lifestyle. This one event that happened so many years ago has affected me probably more than anything else. I was about five or six and I went to my grandma and grandpa's house to visit. And me and my sister, who's a year younger than I, We're playing, I guess, hide and seek or something. Anyway, I'm going through their house looking for my sister and I open a door and I saw something that frightened me. It's my grandma on her knees at her bedside, weeping and praying in the Holy Ghost. And I was terrified. Something's wrong with grandma. I better go get help. So I close the door and I run and find grandpa. Something's wrong with grandma. She's in her room crying. Come and help. He goes, oh, no, no, no. This is her time to pray. She goes in there by herself every day at this time. She's praying for you. The well. She's at the well. She's drawing. And that one moment was the tree in my life. I'm going to go to that tree. What kind of, what have you planted by your well? What are your children going to come back to? In my own personal life, I'm not preaching about me today, but in my own personal life, I intentionally do some things for the sake of my children. My children know when they get up in the morning and they don't see dad, they know where I'm at because it's who I am. I'm here and I'm praying. When my kids get up in the morning time, even on Sunday, we don't come together as a family. I come here early intentionally to draw from the well. I've got to have the well. Life's pressures are great. I get confused. I I need answers to things I don't have answers to. I get overwhelmed. I need healing. I need whatever. I'm coming to the well. My children know where dad is in the morning time. I'm at, I'm here praying. There are times in, oh, hi, Pastor Alex. How'd you get over there without me seeing you? Phantom. Ninja worship leader. Thank you for coming on up. In in our tenure of KC, we've been a part of KC for ever. And, uh, there are times we do 24-hour prayer. When 9-11 happened, I think we went two weeks with 24-hour prayer. And we just do that every once in a while. I intentionally, on those times, on purpose, I bring my kids. I don't even care if they're underneath the seat sleeping. I have them bring pillows and blankets. All right, you guys, I'm going to pray for the next few hours. You guys can go to sleep right here. I don't care if they're asleep. I'm planting a tree. That they're going to draw from. It's going to be there when I'm not here. And the well that I've secured is going to affect them. And they're going to look back in their life. And they're going to remember when dad needed something, he went to the well. What are your children going to draw from? What are your grandchildren going to draw from? Maybe you come here faithfully. Maybe you know all the songs. But are you drinking from the well? And have you planted something there that will affect generations to come? Secure your well. Don't let someone else steal it. Abraham did what it took. He dug it and then somebody took it. And he paid an extra price to get it back. Many of us have had our wells taken. We've replaced it with cisterns that don't produce what God intended. The cisterns run dry. We we, we got to keep going, figuring out how to find it somewhere else. When all along, God has been waiting on you to come to the well and start drawing from the well. 
I'm here to uncover distortions today. And I'm here to encourage you to take whatever plan that you normally do for your life and your future plans and look on it, evaluate it and say, okay, is there a, is there a well in my plans? Have I set aside a time? Have I paid the price for that well? Or is my perception only me and what I'm doing today? Revolve your life around the well and not the well around your life. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Maybe you do not know the giver of living water. Or maybe you need to reinitiate that relationship with the spring and the well. His name is Jesus. And he's waiting for you to invite him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, the giver of living water. The relationship with Him is not about form and it's not about repetition actions and I did my thing for the week. He's the living God and He wants to live in your life and He wants you to know Him. He wants to change everything in your life to be a product of the well. He wants you to live in proximity to the well. So many times we live and the well is so far away. It's days before we can get back to it. Life has to revolve around it. Maybe you need to invite the giver of living water to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to reconnect with it and start afresh. Maybe you've been drinking water from other cisterns. I'm here today to tell you to get back to the well, the spring of living water. We're going to do two things here in our few minutes left. We're going to pray together and we're going to do just what I described. But we're also, I'm going to pray for you that as you examine your daily routine and the things you've said about that maybe you think life's all about, I'm going to ask God to give you revelation today of Abraham securing the well, the place, and the tree. If you need to make some shifts, make them today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Make them today. Whatever that might mean, God will give you revelation. I'm going to invite you to pray with me this morning. I really want to help you if you need Jesus in your life. First time, hundredth time, doesn't matter to me. I'm going to invite us to pray this morning, and we're going to receive the giver of living water. You're going to start today with Jesus on the inside. It'll be different. Why don't you bow your head with me this morning, and let's pray. I'm going to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. There's no formal way to pray. God just wants to talk to you. I want you to pray this right out, Lord. Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my life. Make me new. Make me clean. I choose today to drink from the living water. Be my river. Be my life. Sustain me. I choose today to draw from you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I need you in my life. Thank you for hearing me pray. Thank you for loving me. Pastor Alex led us in a song earlier about a deer looking for the water. The words are so perfect for today. And what... I'm hoping you walk out with. I'm going to ask him to lead us in that song. I want to pray for you. We're going to take a moment to pray right now. I want you to seek the Lord. The things I may have said, something triggered in your heart. And you know you need to do something about it. I got to do something about it. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for the word today. Father, the promptings of the Holy Ghost in our heart and and in our minds right now of the shift that needs to take place. 
and are living in proximity to you in a place and a time frame of drawing. Lord, our, our life has been affected by not having it physically, mentally, emotionally. Not having a daily drawing from you. Lord, I pray revelation. Somewhere at home, somewhere in a park every day, whatever it might be, coming here on a morning time, a closet or a bedroom with the door closed, that we get intimate with you. Lord, I pray that you'd give revelation. Lord, I pray that you'd give to us right now the tamarisk tree to plant. That our children and our grandchildren would reap the benefit of the labor that we do to take, to dig the well and to keep it secure and to not let it get taken. That our children would look back and what they remember about their grandma and their grandpa or their great-grandma is that they knew how to get to the well. Help us, Lord, to plant that in their mind, in their memory. Come on, let's sing this with Pastor Alex. Come on, let's lift our hands this morning. Our time's almost up. It's more than a song. We're making a declaration today. You alone. the Lord. I hope you leave today with just a different viewpoint. And I hope you leave today examining yourself. Maybe tomorrow morning when the alarm goes off, the first thing you do is not look at your phone to see what's changed overnight or whatever that might mean to you. Maybe it's starting tomorrow by eking out a song of worship. Even though you probably sound terrible in the morning time, I do. I'm worshiping. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I want to pray. Dismiss us this morning. Be sure to be here tonight. I'm so excited to hear what the team has to share. I invite you to be here. Pastor Daniel will be back next week. It's going to be a great week going to be a great week for you. I'm going to ask Pastor Vance if he'd come and just dismiss our time together.
What a strong world. Let's uh Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've spoken to our hearts this morning, God. Let it change us. Let it mold us and shape us, Lord, until we're more like you in every way that we possibly can be, God. Cause us to rise up early, Lord, and seek your face. Lord, just to lift up a prayer of thanksgiving to you, Lord, for waking us up. Let us pray for our households and for our children, God. And let us always be mindful, God, that you are so mindful of us. And you never leave us nor forsake us. That you're always with us. Help us, Lord, to pray. Help us to seek your face. Help us to be people who express their faith through our conversations with you. Have your way, Lord, in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.